Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome in. It is the Tiger Woods Show right here on the number one podcast network for professionals, the Believe Network. Cam Rogers coming at you alongside Bridget Whalen. As always, we are your Tiger Woods experts. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast as we run up to that beautiful tournament that is the Masters. Yes, in just a couple of weeks. Full coverage right here as Tiger Woods defends his fifth green jacket. Follow us on social media. I am on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99 and on the gram at Mr. Rogers 98. You can follow Bridget on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget K. Whalen. Here is the rundown of today's show. Zozo Championship recap assessing Tiger's play. Spoiler alert, it ain't good. Meanwhile, Patrick Cantlay does a good job staving off John Rahm and Justin Thomas. We'll talk about his play. Plus, will Tiger Woods play in the Houston Open next week? We have the breaking news right here on the show. And, of course, this week, the Bermuda Championship, lower-tiered event, but still beautiful sights. And if you're stuck in the... Northeast, for example, in the cold, you can watch the Bermuda Championship this weekend. Feel warm. So we'll talk about our expert picks for this week. But first, the Tiger Woods podcast is presented by betonline.ag. Football is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts okay zozo championship here we go bridget whalen how are you today good yourself i'm doing well aside from the fact that tiger finished tied for 72nd in the zozo championship he played his first nine holes of his title defense by the way folks in three over par and that was really that from there on out he really wasn't a factor he didn't take control of the par fives we talked about it last week five par fives at Sherwood and obviously that was a stat we were looking at you had to take advantage of those holes here's what's concerning to me here and we can go through the strokes gained bit by bit but he was near the bottom of the field in strokes gained approach and that has been something that we have hung our hat on in terms of Tiger's good play his iron game that has consistently been solid, top 25 in the field, etc. This week at the Zozo, he was near the bottom of the field and going off of the other stats here, Bridget, 70th and off the tee. By the way, this is out of 77 players. 71st in tee to green, 55th in proximity to the hole, 21st in strokes gained around the green, so that was good. His short game was actually pretty solid. And then 65th 
in strokes gained putting. Uh, Bridget, we expected more from Tiger. Granted, we did not expect a successful title defense, but certainly not a 72nd place finish at the Zozo Championship. What were your thoughts of Tiger's performance? My thoughts were that he clearly was there to prep for the Masters. He was not there to win the tournament. And I didn't see any signs that he was showing his back was bothering him or that even anything was really bothering him. So for me, it just looked like a prep type tournament. And he knew he was going to get the four rounds in. So maybe that was his intent was to go there knowing that he was going to get four competitive rounds, four opportunities to get whatever he wanted to get and done. I just don't think he was there to win. How could he have been there to win when he finished one under and can't like finish that 23 under par? Like that's just wild. <laughs> so I honestly think that this was a, a total prep job for the masters. And I really don't see it as anything more than that. And now that we know what we know, I won't, you know, give it away, but I just think that that was his intention going there. Yeah, I mean, that is certainly one way to look at it. Would you say that Tiger's mindset has changed about entering tournaments and expectations? Because the one-liner was always, I play to win. That has always been his thing. Has that shifted, would you say, as, you know, we're talking about a 40-year-old plus Tiger Woods? I do. I think in this year where the schedule has been so weird and it's been hard for him to get reps in and now he's at a point where he really doesn't have, I mean, this tournament was it. He really doesn't have many more opportunities to tee it up. I think that he definitely wants to have peak performance for Augusta. And I think that this tournament being held at Sherwood this year changed things. It's a different course. He knew that the, some guy, younger guys were going to go low like they did. Like, it's it just, it, it is, it's kind of, it is what it is. Tiger's at an age right now where he sort of has to accept that that's the fact of life. I don't think that he goes into every tournament anymore as saying second place is first loser. Yeah. I really don't think that that's his mentality at this point in time, nor do I think it really should be. I think we all have to kind of accept that Tiger has entered a new era of his golf. And I think that this year for sure put a lot of pressure on him in the sense that he didn't have the opportunities to go by his normal schedule or the way that he would typically prepare for things. He, he really didn't have the ability to do that. No one really did to put it bluntly. This year has been so strange in the sense as if he wanted to have peak performance for the bigger events, it was kind of hard to pick and choose where you're going to tee it up. Plus, God forbid you tested positive for COVID, then that throws a wrench into your agenda, which over 10 players did since we've returned. So I think that for him this year was just, it, it was a weird year for everyone, but especially someone like Tiger who really follows a specific agenda when it comes to peaking for the bigger events. I mean, the major events and ultimately for Tiger, I think it, it all comes down to Augusta. I think that that's his his uh, sort of the shiny object for him every year. You know, I was just thinking back to the President's Cup and then, of course, the Zozo Championship and the trajectory that Tiger seemed to be on 
entering the 2020 campaign where he played so well at the President's Cup, obviously won the Zozo, and then you have the holidays. He comes back and plays pretty well at Tory, and then you have the shutdown, right? You have, you know, also the back issues that he was dealing with. He wasn't going to play in the Players' Championship anyway, and you have to wonder if that just threw a wrinkle, if you will, uh, or perhaps worse, a hard crease into Tiger's momentum going through the rest of 2020 and the major championship season. Yeah, I think he's a detail-oriented guy, obviously, a rigid schedule guy. And for something like this, you know, it's interesting that just the sheer fact that he thought about the Houston Open, kind of giving it away now, earlier in the week is indicative of Tiger's willingness to be adaptive and also change around his schedule if he needed to. So, hey, I mean – I'll be honest, it was not a great week. I was fairly disappointed overall. Bridget, I know you like to uh, perhaps be a little rosier than I do about Tiger's game, and that's your 100% right. I think it's a beautiful thing about this show. I just will say the fact that he lost 2.4 strokes to the field with his approach in that final round scares me a little bit because, again, that's the one thing that we can point to the iron game, the iron game, the iron game. But with that all said, there's always the asterisks. You never know what you're going to get with this guy. And once he drives down Magnolia Lane, can things click? 100% they can. We've seen it before with Tiger. And not just Tiger, Bridget. We've seen it before with other players of the older guard at the Masters. Fred Couples. Jack Nicholas, I believe in the early 90s, mid-90s, made some sort of run as well. So, I mean, it can happen at the Masters where, you know, the older golfers really shine because you can miss the fairways, you get a little bit more run typically, uh, may not be the case in November. But with all that said, I'll just point to what Joey LaCava said about Woods after last week. Work still needs to be done, and he's going to be working hard. Whatever it is, whatever he's doing, he's going to be working hard at it because I can tell you one thing, Bridget, he is not very happy with that performance last week, in my opinion. Maybe he's just, you know, I don't know. It is what it is, but something tells me he's a little PO'd about it. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's happy with it, and I don't think that he – wants to be in a place where he is right now it definitely I mean considering where Phil finished he did finish much better than he did but it's definitely not a comfortable place to see that the the winner finished at 23 under par and you finished just barely under par so I think that that alone is frustrating for him just the optics of seeing that is like a little bit to handle but I think that he also has definitely given himself a lot of grace this year. And I think that we could definitely um, show examples of that where he really hasn't been that hard on himself, especially what comes to mind is the U.S. Open for me, mm-hmm. where I would have typically found him to be a little more angry with, the, with not even making the cut. And to me, it was sort of like, well, the course was this way, this is, it is what it is, kind of like he has a different sort of approach to things now, in my opinion. And I don't know if that's just because of 2020. I really do think that we have to acknowledge, as you said, he wasn't going to tee it up at the players. He pulled out of the players. Like that, that, that's 
that doesn't happen. Tiger right. not playing at the players. So he definitely had a, a rocky start at the beginning of this year, just a few months ago. It seems like, you know, we've been in COVID now. It seems like it's been 10 years, but uh, I don't know. It's only October and the players was in March. So that's only a half a year ago. So I think that we have to take that into consideration. And I also just think this year has been so weird for people trying to fit in tournaments that they want to fit in or just feeling comfortable playing. Keep in mind, Tiger didn't come back right away after the PGA Tour returned. So there's just a lot of compounding variables. And I think that he has given himself a little bit more grace this year than probably in the past. And it just also happens to be the year that he's the oldest he's ever been on tour. Like it just all kind of aligned in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he has more perspective now, not necessarily focusing in on golf 100% of the time. He's got family, he's got a course design business. He's got obviously a charity, a foundation. So perspective matters too. I watched his final press conference after the final round and you know, he was smiling. So, I mean, that brings joy to me. I don't care if he goes five over in a day. If I see him smiling after, uh, that's all I really care about. I mean, his teeth are fantastic, Bridget. So, I mean, that's how I feel about that. But um, the best smile in golf, that is. It really is. It really is. That. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about Tiger's schedule in a matter of moments. A quick note on Patrick Cantlay beating off the world's number two and three players, John Rahm and Justin Thomas, to win the Zozo Championship. Cantley had gone more than a year since his last victory when he rallied from three behind at Mirfield Village to win the Memorial. He funneled in more than 110 feet of putts on Sunday alone in carding nine birdies, tying the most he's ever made in a PGA Tour round. You had a feeling this was coming, Bridget, because Cantley's one of those guys who, you know, just rattles off top 17 finishes all the time, never misses a cut, really doesn't have a weakness, perhaps the iron game a little bit, but that finally started to click. He has an elite short game. That all came together, and he fended off my pick, JT and John Rahm, who probably doesn't have a weakness in his game. So big-time win for him. Yeah, I think that Cantlay always plays really well in Vegas, and he had played well in Vegas this year, this just a couple weeks ago. And I think that coming off of that, he had that little bit of spark that you needed. And, you know, you're still in that same time zone. You're still, it's not like they then traveled overseas. Like this kind of was a really nice little layup for Cantlay's game, the way he was peaking. And I just think, once he gets in that zone, Patrick Cantlay, he's one of those guys that as the pressure heightens and as things get a little more nervy, he seems to do better in those situations. And I think for him, he also thrives on coming from behind. I think he's one of those guys who has maybe a little more easiness about him if he knows he doesn't have the weight of the lead on his shoulders, which I guess a, a lot of People are that way besides the chosen Tiger Woods. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> the pressure, I mean, Justin Thomas, just look at him. The pressure of a, of a lead going into a final round is tough. And I think that Cantlay does best in the situation that he was in. And the other thing is, and they kept saying it on the telecast, there weren't a lot of leaderboards to sort of see where he was at, especially on, that, on the back nine. When and he you can't really check your phone. No, of course not. And 
I think that sure, like your caddy can ask and, and word can be tossed around, but I think the visual of not really knowing like where you are and, and sort of just thinking like, I just have to put the pedal to the metal because I just have to do as much as I can in the time that I have left on like 16, 17 and 18. And boy, did he ever, he was chomping that gum, like nobody's business. And, and that's like such a focused behavior. Like you could, you could totally tell that he was in the zone. And I kind of, when a player goes a little bit lights out like that and really has an excellent final round, I kind of hope that they do win. Like when he was prepping for the playoff, I was like, man, that would kind of stink. Cause he really did put in all, like his all and he really made his mark on this final round. Like he deserved to win in my opinion, just with the way that Rom and Justin Thomas played. They didn't deserve to win. And and that's what happens on Sunday. Anything can happen. It's not over until the final round ends. So I think Cantlay was the deserved winner this week. And I think that it's shocking that he only has three PGA Tour wins. And I know he went through a time where he, he, had, he had a very difficult time and not just health-wise, but personal issues going on. And I think that that's always overlooked with Cantlay. Like he has really done a lot for himself to come back and to get where he is right now. And I could see him, I see him winning a lot more. He's like steady Eddie. He's Uh just, he's so steady and he's very consistent. Like you said, he's, he's a guy that is definitely going to make a lot of money out on tour. That's a fact, but he's also a guy that I think once he gets his, his winning sort of mentality down and, and maybe a little more frequent of wins. I think that I could see him, I could see him pulling off like two or three in a, in a season in the, um, in the years to come. I could see him pulling off a PGA championship or something like that, you know, definitely something around, you know, a 15 under type of tournament, PGA championship, something like that. Yeah. So I think a major is definitely in his horizon, but a beautiful win at the Zozo championship. Another note, Bubba Watson for the second straight week was absolutely elite from T2 Green. So for you betters out there, take a look at the early odds for the Masters because, man, I mean, Bubba Watson is shaping up to be quite the interesting play, especially as everybody talks about Tiger and Bryson and Brooks and DJ. Uh, Bubba really flying under the radar there. Okay, let's get to the breaking news. You know, it's interesting that even it was a thought – that Tiger Woods was going to play the Houston Open, but perhaps he stunned reporters at the Zozo Championship saying he will make a decision on that soon, which obviously tells you he was considering it. Well, here's the deal. He's not going to play. It ain't going to happen. Obviously, you could have waited until Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern. That's typically the Tiger way to build up the drama. He did not do that this week. Uh, According to Daniel Rappaport, Uh, that ain't going to happen. He will not be playing at Houston, which means the next time we will see him will be the Masters. Bridget, you know, just off the top here, kind of surprising that he was considering it, right? Yeah, especially with the integration of fans. Right. I honestly, I, I, I know he said it, and I know he said he would make the decision. I understand that those words were uttered. I did not believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you wouldn't. Did not believe it one bit. Uh, I think maybe, like maybe, maybe, maybe like a grain of salt chance. If something was like very, very awry at the Zozo, just like something with his either the competitive, something to do with 
with teeing it up in a competitive environment. Nothing mechanical. Exactly. And obviously like that would never happen in Tiger Woods. I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If something was just off or bothering him, sure. You have the Houston open. Yeah. You could play it. Did I think that was going to happen? No. Would I bet my life that he wasn't going to play the Houston open? Yes. (laughs) Unequivocally would have bet my life that he was not going to play. Not just because of the fans, honestly, just he doesn't, that, that is not, he's not going to totally change up his MO. Like he's not, he's not going that outlandish this year. Like, let's just put something to bed. He doesn't play before the masters. He just doesn't. So. Yeah. I don't think he has ever done that ever. No. So like he wasn't going to in a year where everything else is so up in the air, like, no, he's not going to throw another wrinkle into that. Uh, Absolutely not. And I just think. If I, and I said this last week, and I am really saying it, if I had the opportunity, which I never will, if I had the opportunity to play at Augusta, I would never play at an event that's going to integrate fans for the first time during a global pandemic. That sounds like a science experiment gone totally wrong. And like, I may be a little bit more cautious than, than the norm, but like, no, thank you. If if this was my opportunity to play at Augusta, and I know that Tiger obviously will play there for the rest of his life, he he wasn't going to chance it, in my opinion. And I really don't think that he was going to play anyway. So like, I honestly don't even think the fan thing was a factor, even though that's like my main factor. I literally think when he said those words, it it was a. I, I'm not saying he's a liar. I just think that he hadn't fully co- not committed, committed, whatever you want to say. But in his head, I do not think that there was a shadow of a doubt that he was going to tee it up in Houston this week. Well, here's or, all he said. Uh, yeah, was that he's going to make a decision on it soon, right? So that doesn't even mean that he was leaning toward playing. It could have been 90 to 10, no versus yes, right? And he gave that 10% chance a little bit more time. And obviously we ended up with the 90% chance of him not playing at the Houston Open. And, you know, it's interesting. Somebody who always plays before a major, Phil Mickelson, may not even play at the Houston Open. He may actually go back to the Champions Tour. Which I love. Which is a great idea, yeah. You want to talk about building confidence. Absolutely. I love that tactic. I really do. I think that, sure, it might give you a little false sense of confidence, but Augusta, right, but Augusta is a place where Phil has had success. So I think that it's a little different in that sense. The thing about the Masters is, Every single year we return to Augusta and the guys who have played there numerous times, they do have that edge. They just do. You, if you play, if you're just like a a guy who plays the same course over and over, like you don't even have to be a pro, you get better at playing that course. Absolutely. The fundamentals are logistically the same. I don't care that it's in November. I'm sure that Tiger and Phil are very aware about how Augusta plays in November. It's still the same course, like period, the end. So I like this tactic by Phil. I think that is, it's a recipe for success because he has proven himself to be, he does very well on the PGA Tour champions. He's two for two. So I really like this game play by him. And I, I, he's smart. We all know he's a very bright individual, probably one of the most 
intelligent men out there. But I, I think this is a genius play by Phil, and I really like it. Yeah, you know, I will say it is sad to see him absolutely tear it up on the PGA Tour champions and then come back to the PGA Tour, like, even within a week and finish nearly last. It's like, it really does open your eyes, Bridget, to the differential in conditions between the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour champions. It really is interesting to kind of study because you don't normally see this back and forth thing we have before with like bj and davis love etc but phil really brightens the eyes to everything uh in terms of the differentials and we're seeing it play out uh so it is really intriguing it's kind of like an experiment a case study like i said about phil and uh you know the difficulties in the pj tour compared to the pj tour champions now with that said absolutely i think the masters Gives anybody a shot with that much experience and that many green jackets. Phil Mickelson being one of those people. So we shall see what happens. Of course, we'll be covering it all right here on the Tiger Woods show. And of course, if you want to be in on my Masters Fantasy game, be sure to uh, hit me up on social at MrRogers99, and I'll be sure to get you in on that. All right. This week... The Bermuda Championship, Bridget, going to be a beautiful sight to see on the telecast. It won't be the classic resort feel because I assume not a lot of people will be there. But with that said, obviously, you like Bermuda a lot, Bridget. And we talked about pre-show how you were there just last year. So, I mean, what are we in for? I love Bermuda. I always say if I ever get married, I want to get married in Bermuda. Mm. I really do love the vibe of the place. I think it is like, I don't even know. The fact that it's it's so close to us and it feels so far away, it's insane. Like it literally is like a little oasis, like right off the coast. Um, I am really excited for this week. I love seeing Bermuda anytime I can. So seeing it on TV is not as good as being there, but you know, it's, it's second best thing. Um, should I go in with my pick? Do you want me to just talk about like Port, Port Royal golf course? What, what are we looking for here? Well, I think it's an interesting course because obviously the island is an island, right? And you can only stretch a golf course so long. So it's a par 71, just a shade over 7,000 yards. That is all to say that I think it's going to be a putter, birdie, fast, and, you know, typically – I would think the short game Mavens will probably be successful uh, at this tournament. So that's kind of my just overarching thought. But yeah, go ahead. Who do you have this week? All right. I'm taking Tyler McCumber. I really have no logistics behind this pick. It's just that he seems like he, well, I know he's a surfer. I just feel like he loves that beachy vibe. That's like his jam. So I think he's going to do well here. I feel like, oh, here goes my house phone, everyone. Got to get it in once. Everybody drink. <laughs> wow, that's great. Should we? Should that be the new thing? Like Drinking game. Yeah, absolutely. When the landline goes off. <laughs> when the landline sounds, drink. Uh, but no driving. Drink responsibly. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm literally going with him off of feel, which again, that might be naive. And we know I'm not like the best at picking people. You do a lot of analytics. For me, I just think, he is going to be comfortable in this environment. This is like what makes him calm and feel at ease. So I think he's going to play well. So Tyler McCumber. Uh, speaking of perhaps creating momentum, JT for me last week, finishing tied for second. I'm just going to clap for myself because it's my first top 
10 since the beginning of this new wraparound season. So praise God for that. Bridget, you went with Matt. I let you clap alone on that. (laughs) Thank you. That's fine. I don't need your claps. I have my own. Uh, You went with Wolf, tied for 50th. So you're at $1,700,000. I'm at 757000 So I'm $1 million behind. But, you know, anybody's game. Maybe I'll nail the winner this week. I have Harold Varner III winning this tournament. He gained four strokes around the green at the Shriners, which is a really good performance. He finished tied for 13th. I think uh, Harold Varner III is going to rip off one of these lower-tiered events pretty soon, and I think he could have some success this fall in general. Already has a little bit, but he showed some signs in the PGA Tour restart as well, and I just think in a weaker field, this is something that he can take advantage of. So I like HV3 to get it done. I'll throw out another name just for people out there. Wesley Bryan could be a guy who could really surprise people. He's starting to trend in the right direction if you look at the uh, strokes gained stats. So HV3, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Tyler McCumber. That I don't. I got. I got nothing. You're like, you have all the logistics. <laughs> I have all the stats. And hey, you're the one winning. So. And I'm like, geez. Tyler McCumber's gonna go surf. Can you even surf in Bermuda? I don't even think they. Have I have no idea. I don't think so. Tyler McCumber is just gonna you know, be barefoot, like 24-7. He's going to be in his, This is his arena. It's an island. He's an island. Totally rad, man. Yeah. Florida's not an island. I don't know. I really, Tyler, just like pull through and and, and help me here. <laughs> Everything yeah. makes sense. Just win. Well, you know what? JT isn't in the field this week, so that means I'm back to missing cuts. So there you go. That's the saving grace for you. Lovely. Love it. Uh, one final note about Brooks Kepka and his girlfriend, Jenna. Bridget, you watched an interesting little Q&A, and from what I understand, Brooks was, well, shall we say, uh, very honest with his answers? Absolutely. I think that whoever decided to do that little Q&A is very smart. I think it painted Brooks in a really good light. He tends to be someone who the media likes to say we don't really know that much about you and and this and the other thing man if you tuned in last night you I don't know if that's the real Brooks but you got a version of Brooks that you can't say you don't know who the guy is he he was very jovial he was very playful very honest I thought it was a great look for Brooks and I think that if it was his girlfriend's idea she might deserve like a little something nice because that that definitely was a, a nice little PR campaign for Brooks last night. Next time, Bryson should do a competing live stream whenever Brooks goes live. And who gets more viewers? I don't know, honestly, probably Brooks because I don't know if Bryson has a girlfriend who can like reshare and restory. So well, Bryson did come up on the very, very last sort of part of this whole total q and A. I I mean, it was like a million stories into one. I, I'm sure she saved it if you want to go check her out, Jenna Sims. Uh, but Bryson did come up and Brooke said, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And that's why they didn't answer any questions referring to Bryson. And I thought like, hey, that's about as, as good as you could get. And, uh, and it really painted him in a positive light, in my opinion. 
Give me on Master Sunday a Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson final grouping, and then right before that, Brooks and Bryson, and then right before that, Spieth and Patrick Reed. Bridget, can we make it happen? Can that happen? I don't know. That's a lot. It's a lot, isn't it? But it's great content. So you want Tiger and Phil to be teeing off last? Yes, as the leaders. Correct. All right. Yeah, I mean, that honestly is probably going to be the hardest part out of <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah, that's the hardest leg of the three, if you yeah, will. Absolutely. That's going to be uh, the most difficult portion of that, <laughs> but I would love nothing more than to see that as well. Okay, there you have it. Some headlines to uh, pray for, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap up this edition of the Tiger Woods podcast right here on the Believe Network. We have the Houston Open next week, and then, of course, the Masters, and we are covering it right here. So for Bridget Whalen, I am Cam Rogers. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.